Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Welcome to the newest edition of the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Our guest this week has been in the news in the Baton Rouge area lately. Uh, But before I get to him, I want to talk a little bit about something that I'm a part of right now. I serve on the board for an organization's local chapter. The name of the organization is Warriors for Freedom. There is a Louisiana chapter here. And we are promoting a campaign that's called Remember the 22. I'm wearing a bracelet. I've given several of them away. And if you're not familiar with the Remember the 22 campaign, in America every day, 22 military veterans commit suicide. We lose 22 a day. Think about that. That's over 7,000 heroes a year. And I can't talk a whole lot about it because it just, you know, (laughs) it gets you emotional to think about what these men and women do for our nation And they come back here and they're so alone and so helpless. And so I just encourage all of you listening uh, to do some research. Remember the 22. Look up Warriors for Freedom. And if you get an opportunity, if you know a vet, tell them you love them. Tell them if they're going through something to call you because too many of these people come home to a nation that often forgets about them. So remember the 22. uh, Do what, what you can to help our military heroes. Now. Having said that, let's talk about today's guest. He is the chief executive officer of the Capital Area Transit System in the Baton Rouge area. Uh, He is a gentleman who's worked in the business sector for years and is in his second year, I believe, at CATS. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bob Mirabito. Bob, how are you? I'm great, Clay. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm honored to be your second guest. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. I want to get into some of the stuff going on at CATS right now, but let's talk a little bit about you, how you ended up here, uh, where you're from. You know, he walked into my, uh, my office this morning wearing a Notre Dame jacket, and we let him in anyway. So, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, just to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I was uh, actually born in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, we can tell a little bit of an accent Many, many years ago, and uh, spent my formidable years in New York and New Jersey. Uh, Went to uh, a high school that uh, actually is uh, associated with Catholic High here. Okay. uh, Brothers of the Sacred Heart, St. Joe's in Metuchen, New Jersey. Okay. And so, uh, actually, uh, you know, we we use mass transit to get around. You know, at that point in time, I had no clue that I'd end up running a transit agency, Mm -hmm. but... That was just the normal course of being a kid and getting around. It was either that or hitchhiking. My wow. folks didn't want me to hitchhike. And yeah. so, you know, I'd take the bus to Princeton to Caddy or mm-hmm. I'd take it into New York City to go to a ball game at the Garden or whatever. And so uh, uh, I guess uh, when I got out of high school, I had the opportunity to go to the University of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Proud of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and uh, ended up uh, getting a bachelor's degree in civil engineering. And then uh, actually went to work in uh, road construction sure. for about a year and a half. Okay. And then I decided, well, this wasn't necessarily my future. So I had the opportunity to go back to grad school. And so I went to the University of Kansas. That's right. I was going to, because you were a Jayhawk, because I, I yeah. noticed that. Yeah, because yeah, I was in, um, you know, the family was living in Kansas City. I was working there in Kansas mm-hmm. City. And so uh, I had the opportunity to go back. I did uh, 56 hours and three semesters in a summer. Wow. Uh, learned a lot, had mm-hmm. an opportunity. To, uh, President Ford came and spoke to our macroeconomics class and 
And so, uh, how I, different was it, South Bend, Indiana, and then being in in Kansas? The the reality. Well, how different was that? It was really different, particularly so? the school. You know, first of all, people don't realize Notre Dame is a very small school. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, we actually my class was the first co-ed class, so mm-hmm. we had 500 women with about 6,000 guys running around campus. Yeah. And so, you know. It, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, we also had the girls' school across the road, okay. St. Mary's, which man. had 1,500 women. Uh, so, you know, the social life was a little bit different. It yeah. was, you know, uh, a lot of times you take out your frustrations by going to the rock and playing basketball right. or, or playing quad football, whatever right. that was. Plus, the weather was terrible. You know, uh, in the fall, it was monsoon season. Mm -hmm. In the winter, it was snow. Uh, So there wasn't a lot of outdoor activity that went on. And so then when I ended up going to Kansas, you you walk onto a campus with 25 or 30,000 kids. uh, Lots of co-eds. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, you know, I had had quit a job Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any regular income coming in. So... You know, I had to I had to book it. Right. I had to learn something. Right. And so no time uh, to mess around. No time to mess around. The, the only I, I share a quick story. Uh, Notre Dame uh, came in to play uh, 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 in the NCAA regionals. And mm-hmm. so uh, my hall rector happened to be the team chaplain. He was actually even in the movie Rudy. But father, I saw father really at practice. And if he says, Bobby, he says, where do you, can you get a drink in this town? Because Kansas was dry. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot different. But yeah. I enjoyed my time. Right. You know, it was, uh, we had a, uh, an Indian uh, university in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And I can remember shooting pool, drinking a beer, and, and playing, uh, playing uh, the game with, uh, uh, with some full-blooded American Indians and right. listening to Whalen and Willie on the jukebox yeah. and thinking, you know, when I was 17 years old in Jersey, who would have thought? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after that, I got into the telecom business, mm-hmm. uh, moved around uh, Topeka, Kansas, Kansas City, Denver, uh, Oklahoma City, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, was with AT&T for about 13 years and then a company called Dobson Communications. And then uh, came to Louisiana via CenturyTel, right. which is now CenturyLink. So now, how I, about that big jump from from South Bend to Kansas to Louisiana. Yeah, it was. It was and and the you know the difference is night and day between North Louisiana and South Louisiana. <laughs> North Louisiana um, it, it was quite different than I It's still that oh, way. It is. It is. I, we enjoyed our time, but yeah. I'm so happy that we're here in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family and I love it. Right. And it's just a completely different environment. What's What's neat about this area is that things revolve around the family. No question. It's almost a like family first, work second, yep. and everything else, you know, plays a role in, right. in supporting. You know, kids want to come back. Yep. They love the area. The and- pace is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you travel to other parts of the country, we all complain about the traffic here. We, we do. People complain about traffic all over the country. Sure. But when you visit, say, a Los Angeles and you see the 405, you're going, hell, I got nothing to complain about. The I-10 is nothing compared to this thing. Right. Or being over in Texas where their interstate, it's gorgeous to see it, mm-hmm. but it's like fighting that every day. Right. And here you're close enough to New Orleans for everything that goes on there, but you can come 
to a town where people still say good morning to you when you walk right. into a place. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Right. You know, my son and I are taking horseback riding lessons. Here's a 60-year-old man, right. but I'm going out to Far Park. The Absolutely. break system is great. Yeah. You know, the golf courses are fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of golf, <laughs> he beat the crap out of me last year. We had some good time. We had time. We had fun last year, though, because golf is really more about the, the camaraderie than it is absolutely. anything else. But it was a great day out there. We played at Greystone. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, I think you lost a ball or two, didn't you? Oh, man, I, I lost a ball of, or six <laughs> out there. Well, let's talk about you. Now, we moved to 2013. Yeah. Um, the current CEO of Cats at the time, Brian Marshall, uh, is no longer there. There is an opening for that job. What were you doing? At what point did you say, you know, I think I want to do that? Well, it's kind of kind of ironic because uh, I was the chief information officer at Baton Rouge Radiology Group. Mm-hmm. And radiology and healthcare going through tremendous revenue pressures. Yeah. And so the doctors decided to eliminate my position. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for my next opportunity. I'm sitting at home and you know my wife is a tenured professor at ULM so uh, she didn't want to move. Right. My son was established in school. Mm-hmm. And so I just happened to see in the newspaper one day that they were looking for an interim and they were looking for somebody with a business background. Sure. I just sent a resume in. I had no hope or desire or, you know, whatever that, you know, I would even hear back from Katz. Sure. And I really hadn't paid all that much attention about what the past had been. Because mm-hmm. I'd been in Baton Rouge about three years and, uh, you know, kind of. So you focused. were commuting to Monroe? Uh, I commuted for a year and okay. then we moved down here. Okay. But, you know, during that time, I was more focused on health care and what was going on in that sure. space. Sure, sure. And so, um, uh, lo and behold, I get a call from Rebecca Allen. Yeah, I didn't know who reporter Rebecca, at the Advocate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't know who she was, and she says, "Well, congratulations, you're one of the two finalists for the Cats job." I said, "Well, that's that's news to me." Right. And so, so they hadn't called you. The media no, knew before. The media you knew. knew. Yeah. Well, it's kind of that way today. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but anyway, they uh, they I did get a call uh, from the attorney Creighton Abadie, and yeah. he. Uh, he told me that they wanted to interview uh, the, the following week, and mm-hmm. I went in, and I think uh, John Conroy, one of your other clients, that's right, was, that's right. was the uh, other finalist mm-hmm. for the position. And so I answered the questions, and uh, lo and behold, uh, you know, uh, a couple of days later, they told me that they had uh, they had a vote. Sure. It was three to two search committee that uh, they wanted me to be the CEO, and then Obviously, when they decided it was me, they made it a 5-0 vote, and they sure. they presented it to the board, and the board offered me an interim position. Well, it's interesting. At the time, my company was working with CATS. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, we were helping with messaging when, mm-hmm. when I went in. I didn't know that I wanted to do this, but after visiting the facility for the first time and actually meeting the people, in all honesty, it changed my impression of the agency. And I thought, wow, there's there are smart people here. There are committed people here. It's not like the building is the Taj Mahal. They're not exactly working in Trump Towers. So with the right amount of honesty and insight into what happens over here, 
you can give the public a picture of what's going on. And you remember in some of those meetings, we didn't have spin doctoring meetings. Right. We basically talked about what the problems were and the best way to bring the public into it. In fact, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I want to talk about this. You called in the legislative auditor mm-hmm. and the district attorney's office. And we scheduled a great number of meetings with the media and we didn't have a caveat. It was like, here we are. We, we, we did what the, what's called in the industry a car wash where you bring a number of media outlets to one place and run them through one at a time. And it was ask whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see the operational day to day things that were going on there with you as you were running the agency. But one of the main criticisms you got was you don't have any transit experience. How in the hell are you going to come in and run a bus company when you don't you've never done it before? And you did speak to that. But let's talk about that now. Yeah. You know, uh, I've always believed that, uh, you know, if you have a great set of business skills yeah. you know, or even a very good set of business skills that you basically can do anything. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the, the principles are there. And when I was named the CEO and I, I would, you know, I would read the newspaper and sure. say, Bobby, did you have a negative, a negative impression of cats based upon what you had read in the paper and seen on the news? I, I didn't have a negative impression. I, I guess, you know, I've always felt like, you know, let, let me mm-hmm. make that judgment. But did you have a bad feeling? Did you think it was going to be worse I, than it actually was? Or was it about what you thought it was going to be? I, I actually thought it would be better than what it ended up being. Really? Yeah. So you thought it was going to be better than what you found. Yeah, I mean, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I went in there and I did not realize what I was walking into. Wow. Okay. Cause, uh, okay. Talk about that. Go yeah, with that. Well, like, well what? that, that, that it, you know, uh, nothing came out in the interview process itself that would make me think that, you know, I was going in and doing a complete 180 turnaround. Sure. Okay. Uh, you would have thought that there were, you know, some base principles in there mm-hmm. that, you know, people were being held accountable for their performance, for the system performance. And so when I walked in there, you know, yeah, I got to learn the transit industry. I have to learn media because, you know, as you mentioned, we did the car wash. Mm -hmm. And while I have some strong corporate background, fact is I never dealt with the media. Because you didn't have to. Private company. Right. Exactly. You know, when you're even a public company like CenturyTel, we had a media department. Sure. And you didn't have to deal with that. No. I mean, my my experience was going in front of Wall Street and saying, okay, this is the plans that we have. And everything was orchestrated. Oh, sure. And so, you know, we do the car wash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I learned is, whoa, you got to watch what you say. Absolutely. You know, we we met with, uh, I think it was Mike Singleton from WBRZ. Yeah. And just before we got into the, the main bulk of questions he asked me how do you like baton rouge and i think you might remember i said <laughs> well you know my family and i really love baton rouge but um i can't root for lsu because i'm a notre dame grad and i w- i almost wanted to if i had a brick nearby mm-hmm. i think i would have flung it at him it's like what are you what are you doing but it's one of those things because the public had such a negative parts of Baton Rouge had such a negative opinion of the agency. Mm-hmm. It was a very contentious 
tax cycle that the agency had just come through. And there were wide, clear lines drawn in the sand Mm -hmm. about this. And you were facing that when you walked into the agency, not just the media, but there were people in the public who hated cats. Mm -hmm. Organizations like the Chamber, the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, Together Baton Rouge, they were all in front of you demanding certain things. So when you come in, first with the staff, give us a couple of examples of things that you thought existed there but did not. Oh, for example, just just that they were focused on on-time performance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to provide a transit service, you want you put a schedule out there and it's not a guide. <laughs> it's supposed to be the Bible. Right. And so, you know, when you'd hear that on Saturday morning the first five or six buses are sure. late pulling out the Highland Road, sure. you're saying where's the accountability? You know, and so that that surprised me. Why do you think that wasn't there? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, uh, I, I, I can't say I can't speak for my predecessor. Sure. I don't know what was going and on. And in all but, honesty, we had a lot of conversations about a lot of things. And I don't think you'll mind me saying this, but even in off the record conversations, you didn't spend any time bashing Brian Marshall. It was really more about looking ahead at what the agency had to do. And I think that was most important. What about the racial tension in the building? Because we're going to get to some of that that's going on now. But listen, we're not going to we're not going to pretend here on this show. It existed. There was a huge divide there. What did you think about that? How did you address it? Well, I, you know, when I walked in and uh, I, I don't see the color of somebody's skin, Sure. OK. And cats is actually I think we're 95 percent African-American. That's right. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, our demographics don't match Baton Rouge. I mm-hmm. would love to have a workforce that matched the demographics of Baton Rouge. Sure. Because I think, I think there are some people out there who may not ride a cat's bus because they don't like the color of the operator's skin. And that's well, a shame. That is a shame. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as everybody does their job, that's, that's all that's I care all that about. That's all should matter. You yeah. know, and, and when I look, you know, I've hired a number of people. Mm-hmm. And... I'm hiring the best person. You know, uh, I've hired a African-American female HR director. Yeah. Uh, you know, my CFO happens to be white. My COO is African-American. Mm-hmm. I brought in probably the first Asian male into the organization, uh, Paul Simon, who's Paul our Simon. IT, yeah, IT that's manager. Right. And uh, so you look at the cross-section of people that I've hired, I think it speaks for itself. I mean... Uh, you know, I don't know where people are coming from. Uh, you know, I'd heard that the NAACP was on the picket line, but I'm like, you know, you know, I don't know why they're there. You're right. going to have to ask the union and their leadership. Well, let's talk about the board. When you came in, there were all kinds of fights going on with the board. That has since gone away. And, you know, without getting into any specifics, because I got no real interest in doing that, but there was there was some acrimony between the way between the board and the building so how did that dynamic play out how were you able to come to overcome that because you you have a a pretty good relationship with the board right now Mm -hmm. so how were you able to overcome what was going on then well i think when i walked in you know the the issues with the board had already existed sure okay and and I think we've had some turnover, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that uh, 
while you know it seems like uh, you know the uh, uh, Metro Council, for example, we're going to get in, to them too. Don't I worry know, about I it. Know, but I mean, the Metro Council put in a vetting process sure. for for board membership, particularly at Cats. But I think it's now for all the boards mm -hmm. uh, under their uh, 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 under their direction. I think that helped the process. Sure. I also think that what helped was, as you said, you know, when I came in, Baton Rouge Area Foundation, the chamber, all those had supported transit, right. but didn't think that the local management could move the agency ahead. They wanted to privatize the agency. And, and by the way, and I always had corrected people with this, you can't privatize cats. You can only privatize the management. The agency can't be private because it gets public dollars, correct? Well, we'll go one step further. Okay. It's actually uh, a contract management relationship, okay? okay? Because uh, in the world of transit, sure. public transit, there's no, there's no way you can run a public transit agency and make a dollar. You know, I come from corporate, the corporate world. Sure. I was always into profit and loss. And if you look at, we, we look at what's called fare box recovery. Mm -hmm. And what that means is how much money do you generate from your fare box to cover your operating expense? Cats right now, for every dollar we spend to operate, we take in 10 cents. Wow. Okay. okay. The best transit agencies out there like BART in yeah. San Francisco yes. and New York and Boston you're looking at somewhere around for every dollar they spend, they take in 60 cents. So somebody's got to make up the difference. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned when I was in school many, many years ago and what I was taught was the government needs to be the provider of last resort. So if you think that the government, that people need a transit system to get around, to me, it falls into the lap of government, which is actually us, sure. the taxpayer. Yes. And so when people, you know, complain about the cat's tax, that I, I understand that and mm -hmm. I empathize with it. Sure. But the fact is, you know, don't we as a community have an obligation? You know, it was real interesting. There was a, I heard some uh, words from the, um, the mayor of Memphis, Tennessee. And he said he'd rather invest in public transit to get people out so they could work than have them get public assistance because it proves to be less expensive. I, I agree. And so you know, when you look at a bus, that can be an economic agent. Yeah. And there, the, the feeling in, in the city at the time, because at the time that the tax was going on, I was still doing a, a radio show for Clear Channel, now iHeart, uh, WJBO, is that people didn't feel like the process was all that transparent. They didn't feel like they knew enough about why the agency was in a shortfall and they didn't want to support it. There, the mayor had decided not to give the allotment of cash. I think it was like $3 million at the time. And so Katz was going to run out of money and that's when the tax became an option. The, the way the taxing district was drawn was also a problem for people because mm -hmm. there are several households in the taxing district that don't use the system. So having known that and seen that, what was your impression of the people who were against it? Not because they didn't want people to go to work, was because they felt that the process was unfair. 
Well, again, I uh, I had nothing to do with the process. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I can I can understand their position. Mm -hmm. Okay, I truly can. Uh, but you know, in my mind, the voters had had spoken. Sure. And you know, when I was hired, and they said that your goal is to implement the promises that were made. Mm -hmm. Now, we have done that for the most part. But what people are not uh, people may not realize is that when those promises were made, that was based on a thirty million dollar budget. Right. Okay. When all was said and done, Katz ended up with $24 million. So that's about a 20% cut. So and they, and the, the budget was lessened by $6 million because? Uh, I, homestead exemption right. was, was, uh, wasn't included, I believe. And um, uh, I just think that uh, Zachary decided to opt right? opted out. Yeah. And so we were left with Baker and Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know... Um, we're trying to obviously maximize everything we do, but just to, to kind of get back to what started this conversation about contract management mm -hmm. and the chamber and the foundation was looking at cats and saying, Hey, you're not delivering on your promises. Sure. And there's a talk of a high speed rail between new Orleans and Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And think about this. If you take a train, if you get off in new Orleans, you have a vibrant transit system that you can get around New Orleans if you're going to an office or going to a, an event. Yeah. You know, the, mm -hmm. until 2014, uh, if you got off the train in Baton Rouge, you were stuck. Yeah. You know, we have got very limited taxi cab service. Our transit system was pretty shoddy. Yep. And That's so, one word. Yeah. And so, so anyway, you didn't have, you didn't have, uh, th there wasn't options. And I think, the federal government even may have told folks that, you know, there's money available for a high-speed rail, but right. you got to clean up Baton Rouge first. Yeah. So when I came in, you know, we had the fare box issue, we had the board issue, but my focus has always been on the operational side. Yeah. And as you and I had many discussions, we tried to stay focused on what I could do inside the agency. The board politics, I'm not a politician, sure. never have been. And and as I tell people, you know, um, when they ask me if I like my job, I, say, I love my job if I didn't have to deal with the media and, and politics. Yeah. Because, again, I'm focused on getting things done. What was your reaction when you were slammed in the local paper by Councilman Delgado? Uh, well, you know, everybody has their opinion. I mean, um, I. It's, it's okay to take a personal shot at me, but when, you know, I think at one point he mentioned something about me living. Yeah, where you at, lived. Where I lived, yeah. and, and that upset me yeah. uh, because I have a family. Sure. Um, as a matter of fact, um, i just share a story. My, my son had, had broken his arm, and he was at the Baton Rouge Orthopedic Clinic one afternoon with my wife, and he had a ball shirt on, and on the back of the shirt was our last name. And actually, mm. a stranger approached him and said, uh, is your dad the CEO of Cats? Well, fortunately, the guy was complimentary. Right. But I told my son that, you know, in the future, you won't be wearing your last name on the back of your shirt. Well, that's a shame. It is. I mean, but, you know, when I took the job, I didn't realize, first of all, that I'm a public figure. Yeah. By state law. And so... Uh, you know, that it, that saddened me. It, it got me concerned. And then again, 
when I, you know, the councilman and I, you know, while we may disagree, you know, we just got to keep the, the personal stuff out of it. Have you all had a chance to talk at all? Uh, I've met with him once uh, after the infamous letter uh, that we, we put out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, it's amazing people's reaction to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as the leader of cats, nobody was sticking up for the employees. Right. And, and that's who I need to protect. And, you know, there are a lot, as you said earlier, there are a lot of dedicated employees there. Yes, that, there are. That actually I don't know if anybody realizes, but, you know, not only uh, did the union work without any pay increases for four years, but so did the administrative staff and, wow. and all the management staff. And so for four years, they toiled away hmm. in anonymity and, you know, got the service out as best they can with the tools that they had and right. the resources. And, you know, for you and me who weren't were riding the bus at right. the time, it didn't matter, but for the folks who depend upon cats, Absolutely. it made a big difference. And, yeah. and so, you know, I have to applaud our staff inside. I mean, yeah, we've had issues, but again, I know their heart's in the right place. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the ridership specifically and how you increase the ridership of choice. And we'll We'll explain the difference between the, the choice and the and the necessity uh, riders. And we'll also talk about what's happening with the union in the news right now at Cats. We're talking with Cats CEO Bob Mirabito back with more of the Clay Young Show in just a moment. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. Now is the time to start thinking about prepping your lawn and getting ready when this cold weather finally gets out of here, John. Let's talk about termites. Oh, yeah. With the warmer weather moving in, if you're seeing little winged critters flying around your house, that's usually an indication that you've got a subterranean infestation somewhere. So the thing you want to do is to, one, look around the bottom of the slab to see if you find the tunnels. If you find the tunnels, then you need to come see us because we carry the exact same products that the professionals use. And applying those products in a trench will generally give you protection for up to 12 to 14 years. Now's the time to start thinking about it. If you're in the New Orleans area, how can they find you? Well, our Metairie store is located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill in Covington. We're located at 1417 North Causeway. That's in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams. On uh, the West Bank, we're on the Palco just before the Harvey Bridge and in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. Treat your home and lawn with the products available at Pest Stop. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Back again with our conversation with CATS CEO Bob Mirabito. So the one thing about CATS for years that has existed, and probably in some cases now, is people think it's the poor, the poor black people's bus company. CATS is for the poor black people. And that's not necessarily the case. If you stand at the terminal, you see all kinds of people riding the buses. But how do you change that perception and how do you get more riders of choice? Well, you're absolutely right. There are riders today who take the bus because they want to, mm-hmm. okay, not because they have to. That doesn't, uh, the, the fact is that, but most of our riders are riders of need. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing, you've got to provide a reliable service. Right. And, and as, as I said publicly, our biggest issue right now at CATS is that we have an aged fleet. We're not the only transit agency out there that are dealing with these problems, but 
you know, it's it's no secret that buses break down. Some of the those old, buses were pieces of crap. Right. Yeah. And, and just think, we in order to meet some of the promises, and, and we did that, you know, added 10 new routes, and, mm-hmm. and we changed 19 of the 20, we're running more. We're running the same buses more hours each day. Right. And when you have a bus that has got three quarters of a million miles on it, which should have been replaced quarter million miles, you know, at five hundred thousand miles, sure. uh, they're going to break down more. So if I get a guy in a suit and tie or a woman dressed nicely who needs to go to a meeting. You know, she's going the first time she gets on the bus and she doesn't get there on time. That's the last time I'm going to see him. Mm. Okay. Right now, uh, for the last quarter, we had four and a half buses break down each day. Wow. While they were out on the road. That's an improvement over the previous quarter. But still, it's that's four and a half buses too many. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've estimated that in order to make to upgrade the fleet, we're talking about a minimum of $22 million in investment. And if we want to talk about growing it, you know, for example, if we were successful in getting the LSU business back, I've been talking with the Greater Baton Rouge Industrial Alliance about doing uh, uh, parking rides uh, along Highway 30. I'm thinking $40 million. Uh, Where's that money going to come from? That's that's a good question. That's what we ask ourselves every day, and that's what I've charged my CFO. Go find how we can raise that kind of capital so we can improve the bus service. So once you get past that, then you have to look at your operation, and your operation is, okay, are we providing the service in the time that we've promised, you mm-hmm. know, we're looking at a 77% on time performance right now. Anytime you have one bus late, it's unacceptable in my right. mind. Right. Okay. Cause if you're on that bus and it's late and you lose your job and I've gotten emails from people who have lost their jobs yeah. because cats didn't perform what was promised. That bothers me immensely. Right. And so, you know, we got to turn that focus inside to making sure that the customer comes first, the safety of our customers come first. And once we do that, then I think we have a chance. Now, you know, Stephanie Regal wrote a very good article in the business report in the printed copy. Mm-hmm. I actually complimented her on it because she took, for example, the Garden District trolley which we just launched in January. And I think we've had about 600 passengers for the first three and a half weeks. And it's not bad for, you know, new service, no advertising, you know, and that's what we we can discuss that too, but uh, no advertising. And, you know, it's, uh, but the gist of her article was, you know, the Garden District came to Cats. We had public meetings. We got their input. They right. basically designed the route. That's right. And sh- her point was that in the morning when you go out and you see that car and you might have some errands to run, it may be easier to get in the car than to take the trolley. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, it is definitely a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid growing up, as I said, in New York, New Jersey, it had nothing to do with your socioeconomic background. No, it was just what you did. Okay. For two and a half bucks, you could catch a bus 
from the corner of Route 27 and Sand Hill Road in Kendall Park mm-hmm. and take a 45-minute to an hour ride into Port of Authority in New York City. And from there, you could catch the subway, you could catch the bus system, and it was the way we traveled. Right. I have a friend of mine who actually lives in the Garden District, and he said, he tells this story, that the first couple times they saw the trolley, you know, nobody was on it. They were like, ah. I don't know. So he said a group of them, they get together, they do things on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So he said he had the idea, let's just take the trolley, go downtown. And so he and his family and a bunch of his neighbors and their family took the trolley. And he said they were sold on it after doing it. They had such a blast. The the operator, I've learned to say operator and not driver, but the operator was so friendly and he just sings the praises of it. He says, now it's something we're going to do all the time. Mm-hmm. I think once you have the experience, you know, it often is interesting. Like I probably am never going to be a cat's customer, not because I would never do it. It's just not my reality. Right. But for people if there was something that I can do with it, I don't think I wouldn't do it because of any any socioeconomic thing. But there is that stigma that it's lesser than it's a step down. And that's kind of interesting because in major metropolitan cities, you can see a business CEO, a college student and a housewife all on the same bus. Mm-hmm. But here in Baton Rouge, because of the reputation that the agency has had, it's going to take a while to overcome that. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on right now in our next 15 minutes or so and some of some of where. Well, before we do that, the app, the app, the app, the, the app. app that got so much attention. People said it never worked right. It, it wasn't what you sold us. What about the app? Well, first of all, you know, the app precedes you. The I app, know. Yeah, the app does precede. It me. was here when you got here, but and, you're here now. I'm so here now. What about uh, and, I, and I won't shirk my responsibility. You mm-hmm. know, the fact is that uh, that from what the history lesson that I learned was, first of all, cats didn't buy that app. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it wasn't even on the radar screen. And because of some equipment being left off the delivery route match threw it in as lanyap mm-hmm. i like how i'm learning the language down here yeah, yeah. You're pretty good yeah but anyway so you know i think there was a um a, a complete misunderstanding inside cats what actually had to happen in order to make the the whole route match solution work for instance uh, well, for instance, that you needed to have a database mm-hmm. and that database needed to be all the bus stops and all the routes that you have. And from what I've learned, you know, our, we, we, we're called a fixed bus route company, Yes, but our bus routes weren't fixed. Fixed r- bus route, meaning, meaning every trip. Every day you go the same way. Yeah. Okay. But we were taking, we were taking lefts. We were taking rights, right. you know, that was de- my phone dropping by yeah, the way, de- depending upon, I guess, you know, how we were feeling that day. Yeah. And so I can tell you that after wait I- a minute, <laughs> <laughs> it took a second to catch what you just said <laughs> doing what you wanted, depending on how you felt. Yeah, yeah. So sightseeing expeditions on the bus. Yeah. That's okay. called a deviated yeah. route. Uh, <laughs> But no, you know, so we, we had some operational issues that translated into a very poor database. Right. 
And, you know, bad data in, bad data out. No doubt. Okay. And and just to kind of give you the breakdown, Cat spent a million and a half dollars on the route match mm-hmm. solution. A million dollars of that was actually on hardware. The software piece, while, uh, you know, costly, what is not even the entire amount. So sure. anyway, when I came in, I was working with the, uh, the woman who had responsibility for it. And like I said, she had to rebuild the database eight times. And after the eighth time, I said, time out. We got to get this right. We got to stop. Let's start over. Shut it and, down. And, yeah. and that's what we did. We did it in, I think we shut it down in November of 2013 mm-hmm. and started rebuilding it one route at a time. And we finally, I think, got across to the operations group that we need the route, we need the stops, we need them in the correct order, we need them to be named correctly. Sure. And so we built that and then we put, and again, that data flows from route match into route shout, which is the little mobile app. Right. And so if you look at the mobile app, is it customer friendly? No. Why, I mean, why not? Because that's how it's designed. I'll give you an example. One of my critics out there has a problem with it saying bus arriving now. Well, what that means is that's your two-minute warning. That's mm-hmm. telling you that bus is within two minutes. And when it arrives at the stop, it changes from bus arriving now to, say, at stop. Okay. Okay? Try to explain all the nuances of that to someone, and it gets very difficult. You know, it would be a lot simpler if you had a countdown going 10, 9, 8 minutes, and then you see the bus arriving at the stop. That's, if nothing slows it down. Right, if nothing slows it down. And, of course, there's always, you know, there, there's, you got issues with technology all sure. the time. For example, it's a wireless technology. Yeah. If we lose the connection, then it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, if, in fact, we don't do our job like post the work the night before, mm-hmm. then it doesn't work. If the operator forgets to log in, it doesn't work. So there's a whole host of human intervention that has to happen, and sometimes we get it wrong. And that's got to be perfect for it's everything be, else absolutely. More, to work. And, yeah. And, yeah, and so, you know, yeah, I bang on route match almost weekly because I'm, you know, I'm never pleased. But the fact is that, you know, we are looking at all our technology, and it may be that at some point we replace it. You know, it's going to be a fifty to a hundred thousand dollar investment. So my but question, they're working with you to yeah, try to keep yeah, this thing running. Yeah, right, they right? are working with us. You know, is it at the pace that I would like to see? Probably not. But you know what we what we've got to do is you know we've got limited resources. Mm-hmm. I bought six used buses for less than fifty thousand dollars. The white buses? The, yeah, the white and blue and green. They're from Roanoke, Virginia. Yes, they yes, have, yes. you know, people, some people have criticized me for that, but, you know, they have 350,000 miles right. versus 750. Right. So your chances are they're going to break down less than right. the older buses. So, yeah. you know, we can start pulling some of the old crap off the off the street. How often do you just want to tell people to go to hell? Don't answer that. Let's move on to the next thing. So uh, I'm just, I'm only, actually, I'm not kidding. I think sometimes people criticize just for the sake of criticism. There are people that I think who have legitimate gripes, legitimate concerns, and they have questions that should be answered. And then there is a section of the population that just wants to complain no matter what. I'll give you an example, and I won't mention any names, but I get an email every now and then about 
media buy, and I mentioned this earlier, about advertising. And, and the, this particular person gets upset when we buy advertising. And, you know, when, you know the, the flippant response would be, well, if I don't buy advertising or if I don't go ahead and tell people what we're doing, what you know we're adding a new route well, how are they do that how are they to supposed that. to find other out? agencies do that yeah you know yeah. i do see it as a business yes it's a public entity yes. but it is a business yeah. we may not have competition sure. per se sure. you know i think uber is competition yeah. i think taxis are competition but the fact is we have an obligation to tell our customers or our prospective customers what's going on what's going on yeah. you know you look at Touchdown Express, which is one of the things we do very well. Yeah. And you know Pretty what? Pretty successful. It's very yeah. successful. Yeah. We don't spend a dime on advertising. And in, 19, in 2013, we collected uh, $81,000. This past season, we collected $73,000. Wow. And I mean, we could have sold more tickets except for ContraFlow. Sure. And that's word of mouth. What do you think would happen if, if you we, really promoted if it? If we yeah. promoted it. Well, let's talk about the uh, the relationship in the building with the union. All right. Mm -hmm. When you came in and I'm not going to pretend not to know. I know f having been there personally that you had a great relationship with the union leadership and how you guys worked together. Now, I haven't been anywhere near what's happening there since February, but. It looks like there's a little bit of trouble in paradise there, Bob. <laughs> so what's going on, man? Well, I, you know, I still think we have a good relationship, okay? It may not be as great as you saw at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I was it, at the board meeting. If, they, it, if you get a bunt cake, don't eat it. Yeah, I understand. But again, I think part of it is that you know, my personal f feeling is that, you know, we've reached a level. And in order to get to the next level, there's going to be some significant changes at CATS. That means people are going to go away. And it, I don't know if people are going to go away if they do their jobs. No one, you don't have any fear if you just do what we're, we're, you're asked to do. You're, you're, if you're accountable for what you do and you do it, that's great. What do you say to this sentiment that I saw? Because I attended the board meeting this past week as we sit and record this show. And there was the sentiment from people that they can't come to you and talk to you, that you're closed off from them. And then there was also the innuendo that there is some discrimination going on there against black employees. Well, I'll just address it this way. I'm in the building every day. As a matter of fact, you know, we have two locations. We have 5,700 where, you know, finances sure. and, and the CFO and, you know, planning and some of those functions. And I actually have a small office over there. Mm -hmm. But I also have an office at 2250 mm -hmm. where is just operations and maintenance. And I can tell you 95% of my time is spent 2250. I very rarely see my executive assistant, mm -hmm. okay, because I want to be where the action is, where I can know what is going on. I have an 8.30 meeting every morning with, my, with the customer service, operations, maintenance, to find out what happened the day before and what's going on today. So I, I'm, I'm in the building. I mean, my door's open. So you're saying there's no truth to that? No, you, there's yeah. no truth at all. And, and I do think that, again, you know, this is about status quo or change. 
And uh, I do think that some people may have some difficulty with that. What about the a racial lot, part of this? The stuff there's that no, floats? there's no racial part of this. You know, this is again. I was out in California. I visited seven transit agencies. Sure. And I came back and I, I, I shook my head because they're so far ahead of us. How so? From a professional standpoint. Yeah. From, you know, you could go into their maintenance department and eat off the floor. That's wow. how clean it was. That's not the case at CAT. So we have a lot of work to do. And all I'm asking the, the people is to take the next step with me. Mm-hmm. Believe in what we do. And, you know, as I told uh, the operators this morning, we have, we have customers. This is all about customers. This isn't about Bob Mirabito. This isn't about anybody at Cats. This is about providing that service to the customer. Denise Marcel, Metro Council member, mm-hmm. called for your head a couple of weeks ago. She wanted you gone. Uh, and, uh, of course, I think that has since died down. What happened with you and Councilwoman Marcel? What's what's the what's the issue there? Well, I, I think Councilwoman Marcel, uh, obviously representing, I think it's District Seven, you know, and I'm sure some of my employees probably live there. Some of our riders live there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when we were out of town and they did their informational picketing, just a coincidence, I'm sure. Um, uh, the fact is that they, they raised a number of issues and I think they, uh, aligned with Councilwoman Marcel to, uh, to, to help their cause. Yeah. And, uh, some of their issues being that they weren't being heard. No, this is the, sa- you know, safety, yeah. you know, problems with their yeah. paychecks, things yes. like that. What about all that? Uh, being addressed or it had been addressed. I mean, so it was being addressed even before they pick it. Yeah. Up. I mean, okay. they're, 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 they're calling out their own mechanics, you know, mm. 13 of the mechanics actually belong to the union. So, I mean, it's not necessarily the greatest strategy I've seen, right. but, uh, you know, we're serious about safety. We're yeah. serious about everything that goes on there. And, and I'm not going to. I'm, I actually met with the union after I got back from L.A. We had a two and a half hour meeting. And out of that, because of their concerns, we formed three quality improvement teams. Sure. Get the operators, get the mechanics and get a team together to to talk about issues across departments. And so, you know, that's we always want to get better. Right. Okay, now, you know, uh, Councilwoman Marcel showed up at CATS, uh, uninvited from my end. You know, the union. Did the union invite her? The union said they didn't invite her. So they said they didn't invite that's her. That's right. The, okay. the five union leaders said no one said that they invited her. Okay. And so I told her that we were having a private meeting, that sure. I'd be happy to meet with her, and actually had a meeting set up at 11 o'clock that Thursday. Okay. That actually ended up being the time they had the press conference. I was homesick. I was diagnosed with the flu to that uh, Tuesday night. Okay. No one failed to, no one reported that. Right. That I had my assistant call Wednesday morning and ask the councilwoman if we could reschedule because the doctor said, Bob, you're out for three days. And I do have the discharge papers okay. at the office. All right. So, I mean, uh, we didn't get an opportunity to meet that week. When I got back, I did call her. I spoke to her and said, you know, let's get together and chat. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened because? No, that hasn't. Uh, 
we have reached out to Councilwoman Marcel since then, and we've not been able to uh, to put together a date. Well, she was at the the last board meeting. Yes, and there was no opportunity. You guys didn't talk or have a chance to chat then at all. No, we didn't. I actually got pulled away for media interviews. Right, right. So, but yeah. no. Uh, but again, my assistant has reached out to her by phone and by email to to try to reschedule a meeting. Where are you with the union now? Right now, we are, um, uh, you know, we had, um, we have a number of things that need to be arbitrated, mm -hmm. you know, and I think this is where it all starts. You know, the fact is we have business agreement, disagreements, you know, uh, for example, um, they didn't like my interpretation of a seniority clause in the contract. Okay, so they grieved it. What's your interpretation versus theirs? Oh, for example, we had a we, we had someone in management who wanted to go back to the bus. She had been an operator for fourteen years. Mm -hmm. When uh, she uh, when you read the contract, the way it reads is that if she's been in management for longer than six months, which she had, she can go back to the bus. And she keeps the seniority that she earned when she was an operator. Right. Okay. We did that. That was our interpretation. Unfortunately, somebody got bumped. You know, she slots in at 14 years. And so whoever falls in below that drops down one spot. And that's important when you do run bidding. Mm -hmm. And so that happened. And, and so they've grieved it. And we're arbitrating it. You know, another thing was my predecessor had something called a discipline matrix. I changed that in August to something called a five-step progressive discipline plan. Which is? Which is, you know, uh, a verbal warning, a written warning, two opportunities for suspension, and then possible termination. Okay. But it gives the company actually more flexibility because you don't have tried and true rules. Right. And you could say extenuating circumstances may have allowed you to give them somebody a warning instead of suspending them. It actually works in the favor of the employee. Sure. And to ensure that we treat everybody the same, HR is our department that keeps track of the discipline so that if you're using a cell phone, we don't have somebody getting a warning and another person getting a suspension. Right. They get the same sure. type of discipline. Okay. And so that's another that's another area they disagree with. And that that seems to be the real crux of this. And that is that they don't want me to change the discipline policy. Okay. Well, let's let's wrap up by doing this. I did this last week and and I'd like you to finish uh, these sentences with whatever you think should go there. For the capital area transit system to become a premier transit agency, it must have commitment and dollars. To get the public, by and large, across Baton Rouge to value CATS, we at CATS have to deliver what has been promised and show people that we are a first-class transit agency. The tax-paying, stakeholding public can trust what's happening at CATS because? Because I'm there. 
That sounds like a place to end. Uh, we'll get you back in a couple of weeks to talk about what's happening with the union. We had fun. There's so many other great, great stories we can tell, but that some of them, it just it, it would take three hours to get well, into. I, I, if I can close on this, I have a good friend, Mark Esch, who wrote yeah. a book. Yeah. And uh, it's called Driving Excellence. Yes. And he used to run the Rochester, New York uh, transit agency. And, and when I picked up the book, it, you know, all you had to do was change names as far as who his characters were versus our characters at cats. Mm -hmm. And I tell Mark that, uh, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to use the, a nice way, but it's my title is going to be, I can't make this stuff up. Bob Mirabito, CEO of the Capital Area Transit System. You can hear the interview at podcast225.com. You can also download today's show on iTunes. Just type in podcast225 and you can see this and last week's interview as well. It was fun, Bob. It was, Clay. I, again, I'm honored. I, you know, I, I will say you might want to work on the name of the show, the Clay Young Show. What, I, what I should I call it? I'm not sure yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you. <laughs> well, seeing as how this is a show and I'm Clay Young, I guess. But you get back to me on that, Bob. Doesn't sound like you have a lot of free time in your day job, but uh, we'll see what Bob says. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at ClayYoungBR, and we'll talk next week. We'll let you know during the week who our guest will be. Have a great week and see you next week on The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.